Welcome back to the Game Link Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Lebby, and as always, I'm joined by my friend, Elmer. Hadley Hoder. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy, the spirit within. <laughs> but uh, before we start unfolding all that, uh, how have the last couple weeks been for you, Elmer? Eh, not too bad. Kind of same old, same old. <clears throat> Pardon me? And it seems to be every week for me where it's just like, oh yeah, weather sucked, and I uh, had to shovel my way out of my <laughs> out of my oh, driveway yeah. a couple of times. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, uh, oh, nothing too crazy. How about yourself? <laughs> yeah, uh, not nothing too much. It was nice to have like a long weekend uh, over Martin Luther King Day. So um, I basically just sat around and watched a bunch of movies and uh, filled some like filmed some uh, B roll for some YouTube videos I'm working on. Um, I I finished all four of those. Uh, Elmer donated some uh, broken NES consoles to me, and I fixed them all. So I have a stack of freshly repaired Nintendos that I need to figure out what to do with. <laughs> eBay and use it as a promotion for us. <laughs> I, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> utilize that. Just be like, um, as utilized by or being sold here by uh, let by. Famously Levy of the Game Link Podcast. Watch the, watch the video of me tear it down and put it apart in this video. <laughs> Possibly. Maybe not, though. We'll see. We'll Time see. lapse it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, watched, um, we watched the menu. Um, did you, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. What was it? Uh, it was great. Great. It was a, it was a really fun, like, like social satire, uh, like, horror movie type of thing it, it's, it was a lot of fun uh, with uh john leguizamo oh, leguizamo's in it too yeah oh yep. shit i knew that uh ray fines and uh mm-hmm. what's her name um anya taylor joy in it yeah yeah uh i definitely recommend that one uh, i won't spoil it for anyone but it was great I would, I would definitely watch it again um i also i couldn't help myself and started watching the last of us um, that show is is so great. I won't talk about it much since we will do an episode on it sooner or later. But um, oh my gosh, that, I think that might be the best adaptation to film of a video game so yeah. far. It is uh, definitely worth a watch, even if you haven't played the games. Um, it's just it's just done very well so far in the first episode. So uh, hopefully, it keeps it up for the rest. Um, Color me excited on that one. That sounds pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's real good. The, each episode is an hour and twenty minutes long, though, so uh, it'll take a while to watch. <laughs> um, and then I I also discovered a new show that I've been really into called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Um, hang with me here. It's a cheesy sitcom, but also a gritty drama about a woman that wants to kill her husband. Um, so it'll go between these scenes where everything's well lit and, you know, exposed and vibrant. And there's like the laugh track and the really cheesy jokes. Um, and then like once the guy leaves the room and it's alone on the on the wife, it turns into this like dimly lit grungy drama. Uh, it's it sounds jarring and it, it is a little bit at first, but um, it's it's done really well. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. So. Uh, I've been watching so that. so excited to check this out. You um, you had told me about it. I'd heard like a little smattering of it recently, 
and yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm so excited to hear this now because I I just heard a little bit. And I'm like, oh, is that real or not? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait a minute, that is real. Oh, yeah, it's it's real good. And uh, the main character is, I think her name is Annie Murphy. She's like the the sister from Schitt's Creek. Um, and it's really weird to see her in like such a serious role, um, but it's cool. I, I'm I'm a big fan. Just one question for you there, buddy. Mm-hmm. How hard is it? gonna be for us to change the graphic on the corner of our screen there oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> that's what i forgot to do i was like, i looked up i'm like oh pikachu such so oh shit <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that video watchers uh, uh let me just change this real quick that's 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 the one thing i forgot to do <laughs> all right there we go now let's just resize it and um, all the fun is gone no <laughs> But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Spirits Within, not good enough. Um, for, for this game, um, I couldn't decide if I wanted to talk about Final Fantasy IX, which is my favorite Final Fantasy, because that game came out when they started production of uh, Spirits Within. Um, or if I wanted to talk about Final Fantasy X, because that came out the same year as the movie. Um, because this movie doesn't have like a game that it's based on or associated with, it it kind of really isn't associated with the Final Fantasy franchise at all. Uh, I think they kind of just used the name for more for recognition, but uh, Elmer will get into that, I'm sure. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> But uh, we chose to talk about uh, Final Fantasy X because it uh, it's I think it's more relatable to this episode um, with like the the revolution in like the PS2 graphics from the PS1 and and how this movie was kind of revolutionary for animation as well. So um, yeah, whenever we get the opportunity to make fun of that famous laugh, oh dear God, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's and the voice acting actually has a long history with this game too. But uh, we'll get into that. I have you have you played this game? I know you haven't played many Final Fantasies. But... Um, I've played the most recent, and this is gonna really date me when I say this. Like the, the big two that I did play some of back in the day was uh, seven and nine, actually. Okay. And uh, I remember really getting a kick out of nine. I thought that one was pretty cool, especially being able to fly your spaceship around. <laughs> yeah, nine is my favorite, um, but it gets a lot of hate from other Final Fantasy fans. But that's the thing: there's so many Final Fantasies, and they're all so different that uh, I mean, there's got to be one for everyone eventually. But um, I I've played this game a lot, but I've never beaten it because I always get like stuck on some fight and end up setting it down and forgetting about it and then by the time i come back i have to play through the whole story again (laughs) so uh, i've gotten close though i've gotten close um so actually while i was writing the script i decided well let me install it again on my steam deck and maybe i'll make my way through it (laughs) how far did you get um so far i haven't started it yet but i (laughs) I, I spent pretty much the last week um, loading a bunch of games on my Steam Deck because it can emulate everything. Like It can emulate PS3 and Xbox 360 games perfectly fine, Nintendo Switch, you know, whatever you want. So I've been just loading it up with a bunch of good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that thing. But uh, 
Anyway, um, Final Fantasy X. So it was actually first shown off in um, 2000 along with Final Fantasy XI. Uh, they were kind of like announced at the same time. And it was like right around when Final Fantasy IX was being released. So like they just... Final Fantasy for a while there was just like pumping things out. Uh, I was, was going to say damn. It was like, uh, <laughs> it was like uh, what do you call it? Call of Duty there. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pumping them out around the 2000s, and um, they started development in 1999 and finished the game in two years. So it's, it was pretty quick for. I mean, it was a big game too. So um, it was the first Final Fantasy uh, that would use 3D backgrounds instead of 2D backgrounds, um, and because of this, they they didn't implement uh, like an overworld or like a world map because. Um, making an entire like 3d mapped world like of that scale would have been like way too expensive and time consuming um and i mean it probably didn't help that the ps2 was pretty new and kind of a pain to develop for um so yeah like the developers had to like really pivot a few times uh and the initial demo that they showed in 2000 um was really different in a lot of ways uh, like even like the character design so Tidus the main character he's he's blonde uh, in the demo he had black hair and um, the character model was like way more detailed than in the final game uh, and so like in the in the demo like his hair and clothes would bounce and had like a lot more texture to them and stuff um, so it was a lot more impressive but Obviously, once they had a whole game built around it, they had to dumb that down. <laughs> um, they also originally had like a leveling system planned for the characters, like all their other games. Um, but then they ended up swapping that out for like this sphere upgrade system, uh, where you you have like a skill tree that you just like place spheres into. It's it's weird, but uh, you get used to it. Um, let's see. They uh, they really wanted to have online features and a world map uh, to to the point where you could like see the uh, the monsters and enemies like roaming around, and you could like easily transition in and out of battles like seamlessly. Um, but it it turns out that was pretty ambitious for 1999. <laughs> so um, pretty much all those features just got moved and and put into Final Fantasy XI, which was an MMO. Uh, but yes, yeah, the, um, there's a lot, uh, of like story on changes they made to the plot and, and things like that during development. And there's already so much here. So, uh, I, I'm going to talk about the plot a little bit, but just know that if this is a rabbit hole you want to get into, you might have to look up this stuff uh, on your own because there's a lot of it. Um, the plot is considered... Um, like by a lot of the Final Fantasy community to be like pretty solid, like not much wrong with it. But it is fairly simple by comparison to like pretty much any of their other games. Um, the story is basically that you you play as this um, blitzball player called named Titus, and blitzball it's it's basically just like hockey with a soccer ball, but in like a sphere of water. So you're swimming around. Uh, if you've never played the game, it's Blitzball is a pretty fun, fun concept. Um, Hockey with a soccer ball isn't that just soccer? Uh, 
yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> Just full contact, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of. I'm not gonna get into it, but okay, uh, right. it's 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 fun if you like, you know, sports mini games in your in your RPGs. This is a good one. Um, but yeah, it's about this blitzball player who uh, gets swept out to sea when a giant monster attacks the city. Um, and he he wakes up in a strange land and meets some new friends, uh, including a girl named Yuna, who uh, is about to set off on a holy journey to defeat Sin, which is the monster. Um, so it's like a pretty basic story, like fish out of water, gets companions, go on like the hero's journey type of thing, right? But um, then, of course, they do some Final Fantasy bullshit where they find out, like, you know, the monster is the main character's dad or something. And, um, like, the main character and his whole city only exists because of, like, some monster's dream or something. It it gets really kind of confusing about some of the lore, but, I mean, the, the story is pretty simple otherwise. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you get the point. They they go and you defeat the monster over like a fifty hour game or whatever, and and uh, it's it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, but the thing we can't we can't miss talking about when we talk about this game is the voice acting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm sure even if you haven't played Final Fantasy, I'm sure you've seen the video clip of Titus laughing. Would you like to reenact it, Elmer? <clears throat> <laughs> Ha 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 but the thing is, during that that scene that it's in, it was they were supposed to be like forcibly laughing like that. So in context, it fits, but it's still stupid. Sounds stupid as hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this was actually the uh, the first Final Fantasy game to have voice acting, um, and it's not terrible. I mean that that part of it definitely sounds terrible, but um, I mean it's definitely not great by today's standards. Uh, but back then it was pretty good and especially for what, what they had to do to, to get it to that point so um, there are quite a few problems um, the the game was made for primarily you know Japanese speaking so all the cutscenes and everything were done in Japanese and, and they used uh, motion capture, capture uh, on the actors faces to get like the expressions because um the PS2, like they could finally put facial expressions in, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I definitely just thinking about that, just that kind of laugh moment there. Um, and when you talk about just with the actually having voice actors, that is kind of like one of the first sort of like modern video game, like dialogue yeah. meme kind of thing. Because before that, like the biggest one, of course, is all your base are belong to us. <laughs> and then after that, you know, not long after this, Bioshock with Would You Kindly and, uh, you know, The Cake is a Lie and stuff. So in a lot of ways, yeah, no, wow, this one did actually set a trend. This game had a lot of firsts and, yeah, set set some interesting trends. But, um, yeah, so because they were using motion capture for the facial expressions where they could convey more emotion... Um, 
this led to the the writer being like, well, because we have that mo- that emotion there that we didn't before, we can really kind of lay back and take it easy with the story. <laughs> um, but the thing is, the all the the voice acting stuff led to so many difficulty. Uh, especially with the game's cutscenes, because they were they were programmed around the Japanese voice work, um, and the English localization team uh, couldn't like incorporate a translated script very well because um, like the rhythm and the timing of the lip movements, and uh, you know the um, they were told that they there would be no syncing uh like resyncing the animations for different dialogue so they <laughs> um so the majority of the english dialogue was not based to the actual game footage um they'd kind of like look at the script and reinterpret it and then kind of like change some things out so it would more closely match up with the mouth movements already um, and then they would just kind of use samples of the original Japanese dialogue to to kind of help them out with cadence and, and things like that. Um, yeah, translation directors like that, I don't even want to imagine. God, what it sounds like a shit like. show. And then they, they had to, the sound editors had to um, digitally speed up and slow down the English audio clips um, to, like, try to match the cadence of the scene and stuff and, like... You know, um, like some some like Japanese speaking to convey like certain emotion is different and like slower and stuff. So like we had to add different words to kind of get the same feeling and stuff. So it was kind of rough, right? Um, but that wasn't the only issue. Um, the the um, the system that that. Uh, played the sound like the voice clips in like the scenes was the same system that triggered events so if your english voice clip was even a half a second too long it would break the entire game (laughs) fun so um yeah the the team like tried to mask file constraints as best as they could and um you know, edit things and and some of it was a little rough around the edges, but uh, I mean, with how difficult that all sounds, I think they did a great job. <laughs> uh, let's see what else here. Um, yeah, and like I said, if you want to hear more about the story stuff um, and and don't want to look it up yourself, if you want to hear me talk about it, like let me know somehow. You know, <laughs> send us an email or. Uh, let us know in, in the comments on Twitch or something. Uh, maybe I'll make a bonus episode about that or something. Um, but yeah, overall, the game was uh, reviewed well and is liked by a lot of Final Fantasy fans. Uh, and it was the first Final Fa- Fantasy game to get a direct sequel with Final Fantasy X-2. Um, and it was reviewed well, uh, and they they made an HD remake like almost a decade ago and they they put it on everything like you can play it on your mobile phone um and it really like the the english dialogue is is pretty much the only thing that really gets criticized about this game so uh if you're a final fantasy fan that that hasn't picked this one up yet um i definitely think it's it's worth playing and i think it's pretty cheap by now so 
Why not? Um, but yeah. They, whenever they do those remasters, like every 10 years or so, it, it kind of scares me a little bit. When, you know, uh, Halo Anniversary came out, when they did the overhaul on the graphics and stuff like that, I just went, wow, we've come so far. It has now been longer since uh, the Halo 10-year anniversary came out than the Halo 10-year anniversary was from the original Halo coming out. <laughs> that scares me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and well, like the that's the thing with with remakes and remasters and stuff. It's like some remakes are just hey, we you know uh, took the uncompressed assets and and built like a more crisp image of the same game. So you still have the same like shitty PS2 polygons and stuff, but the the textures are are more have more clarity to them or whatever. Or sometimes you get something that's a, a complete remake of the game from the ground up uh sometimes they reimagine the game so a new combat system or something and it's like there's no you know singular definition for what's a a remake and what's a remaster and what's you know uh so uh, i will clarify that the hd remake of final fantasy 10 is just the ps2 game with higher bitrate images (laughs) <laughs> oh, so it's uh, George Lucas, uh, what do you call it, uh, special edition, pretty much. Yeah, it's just the, the textures are more vibrant and... And more ATS. Yeah, and clarity, a little more clarity. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so that kind of, I mean, that's that's all during the time that this movie was being made. So what would you figure out about uh, the Spirits Within, Elmer? Well, Square thought to themselves, we should get into the actual filmmaking game. So they brought him in uh, for the storyline to it. Um, a couple of their key animation and artists uh, for uh, marketing as well. Or I should say, uh, like, maybe not product marketing, but uh, poster, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like cover design artists that they had on mm. staff for a long time, um, as well as he did a lot of concept art within the games as well. They brought him and... Uh, uh, one of their other longtime artists in and said, hey, um, you know, you guys have a great artistic eye. Would Have you ever thought about trying to get in and do an animated film? Uh, better question, do you guys even know how to do animation? They went, no, but we know how to direct, which apparently turned out to be a lie. Um, but anyway. <laughs> the lie detector test determined. <laughs> that was a lie. I was, gonna, I was trying to think of a good Maury quote to, to go off of. But uh, they... Um, they actually set up a new studio called um, the Square Films or Square. Ah, shit, I can't remember the name of it now. I'll Google it for you. Thank you. Uh, but they actually set it up in Hawaii as kind of like an a uh, like a midpoint, as well as a way for uh, you know the production heads to actually have a little bit of their own space away from Japan, as well as from the uh, Sony Film Studio, uh, Columbia, uh, kind of. You know, give them their own space so that way they felt like they had a little more creative freedom, which cost them $45 million. And $45 million to create that studio within the time frame also went into the production of this film, technically. Hence why this film has a production budget of approximately $140 million before marketing. <laughs> um, I'll get back to that later. This became a major issue for, well, pretty much everybody when say that you know the studio heads wanted to take a look at some of the crap you know see where the story was progressing see how the technology was coming you know find out where what's going on in the story 
and you have to do a commute from either California or Japan to Hawaii, which house with how small the Hawaiian islands are and how little actual air traffic they get there compared to say, you know, LaGuardia or something like that. You can see how that became kind of a pain in the ass and a nightmare. <laughs> Uh, with that, this film was touted as the first fully realistic-looking CGI film, uh, just yeah. to try to get it to look as close as possible, to such a point that it is now used at just whenever somebody brings up the Uncanny Valley. This is If you looked up Uncanny Valley in the dictionary, it would be a still from this movie, <laughs> is the best way of putting it. To this day, there are entire papers that utilize this film as being the thing that really kind of tipped the concept of the uncanny valley into the mainstream. Yeah, it and, was photorealistic. Which, for anybody who's listening that doesn't know, the uncanny valley, there is a chart that they say between representation of somebody who is, say, on this end, like, you know, the a person on the... A symbol, like a... Uh, what's what I'm looking for? A, uh, a male or female symbol on a bathroom door. How close of a representation that is to a human compared to, you know, like, say, an actual photograph. Well, they've actually found that with the relatability to that picture goes up, the more and more realistic it gets. However, it does reach a point where your amount of trust as well as your ability to, hmm, you know, uh, not think of it as being kind of creepy looking drops considerably as it starts getting a little too close because the human eye and the human brain picks up on little differences that aren't quite there. Yep. And they think it's actually because we as humans had to contend with other uh, hominids uh, while we were evolving, such as, say, uh, Homo erectus, uh, Homo neanderthalus, yeah. uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah, this movie has been used in actual psychological papers with how people go, yeah, this is kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it certainly is impressive for a 23-year-old film. With what they were able to get away with, um, is quite incredible. Um, sorry, we sorry. Gotta, <laughs> uh, we live we live near a, a hospital and a fire station. <laughs> so, um, anyway, sorry about that. Yeah, they say uh, with how much rendering time they had to do at that rendering farm Oof. and how much work they had on this, they said it was upwards of close to fifteen terabytes of raw video footage that they created for this film Which, in, two th in 2001. <laughs> yeah, now 15 terabytes is, is nothing. I have a, a 24 terabyte network storage in, in the other room, but yeah, 23 years ago? <sighs> to go into the details in terms of how many polygons, uh, they said that within every character in this film they have for posable movement is about 100,000 uh, polygons. Their clothes alone are three hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, that's. It really was uh, impressive at the time. Like, I I haven't looked into this movie in a long time, but I remember hearing that the uh, the logistics just for getting all the equipment there and and sending, you know, data back and forth and stuff was uh, a really really tough hurdle to get past. So. I mean, to think of, I remember hearing a story of the early 2000s, somebody shut down most of the internet access on the eastern seaboard around the Gulf <laughs> because they were sending something along the lines of like a two to four gigabyte file to somebody else. They completely shut down the internet access there. So I could see how, uh, especially with 
if there's any fragmenting or any kind of issues well you know if they were trying to send like a digital email back then i can see how that would be freaking everybody out involved <laughs> yeah and i can't remember if they had to like like run like more internet lines there or something like i i know they had to do like some crazy stuff because hawaii is possibly the worst place to to, to make a digital animation studio uh 23 years ago now i'm sure it's a lot easier mm-hmm. but uh oh man but when you were talking about the voice cast of the uh, video game there um in a way it's almost completely the opposite for this film uh for this film they actually from the ground up intended it to be released in english so as they said mm-hmm. they filmed it in english because they did utilize a little bit of facial motion capture from a lot of the actors involved only the facial motion capture and they did not do the lips <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't do any body mocap they did a little bit for some of the scenes which you can feel which you can tell almost feels like rotoscoping but yeah. the movement of hands the people's lips and just about everything else is all hand they did by quote-unquote hand in terms of um, having to do manipulation on it yeah the lips the lips definitely look definitely looked weird and yes yeah, sometimes the walking would look good and sometimes it wouldn't so that that really makes sense i the way i've always been able to tell when you can tell that it's an actor mocapping is they strut a little more and they walk a little more with their shoulders it's the funniest yeah. thing when you pick up on that finally <laughs> it's just like oh look at me they look like they're on a catwalk <laughs> <laughs> well and yeah i'm i'm sure after spending 145 million dollars they started really cutting some corners so you could tell in a few sequences you're like that doesn't look quite up to snuff yeah. when, when one of the rock faces looks like something out of mist you're like oh boy <laughs> yeah but i mean i can't i can't blame them i mean what was what was 145 million dollars 22 years ago 23 years ago i'll let you do the inflation calculator on that i cannot remember what the percentage has been since then (laughs) um but for the voice cast of this they they went all out for this i'm still in awe who all they got for this um ming na wen the great ming na wen uh famous for playing chun li in um street fighter uh, yes sorry street fighter the movie (laughs) Technically, Street Fighter to the movie, but yeah, that's not the point. Uh, that uh, she she was in another movie we did recently, wasn't it? Uh, I, I don't think so. Oh, I thought she was. Uh, she's been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, for years. Oh, uh, she's on The Mandalorian as well as Book of Boba Fett as kind of the um, second-hand man, or woman, well, second-hand associate <laughs> of Boba Fett on that show. Okay. Um, she's... A legend when it comes to just being a really, really good, um, just really talented actress as well as uh, stunt performer. And while I'll give it to her, she does a good job in this. Why would you hire somebody of that caliber, though? Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm sure she's a fine voice actor, but I think her performance was the poorest of of all the voice actors they had. Uh, But it was still fine. but yeah, I did the inflation calculation. Uh, nearly a quarter of a million do- or a quarter of a billion dollars. No, two hundred forty-six million would be how much that costs now. Wow, that's pushing Avatar budget right there. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> some crazy stuff. Uh, rounding out the cast as well, uh, Alec Baldwin uh, playing somebody about thirty years younger than he was when they made the movie. <laughs> uh, Steve Buscemi playing. 
who a character that looks like if you put hair and shave the beard off of Edward Norton from American History X. Just big, it, beefy meathead like it that. It does not fit Steve Buscemi's voice at all, and it's kind of disappointing because it's I love Buscemi. me some Steve. <laughs> uh, the gal who played Mavis from uh, Frasier, uh, playing somebody who was apparently supposed to be Native American. Oh, yeah, uh, Perry Gil- uh, Gilson or something like that. Perry something. Uh, she's pretty. Oh, anyway. she she's fantastic. A great comedic <laughs> actress. Uh, Ving Rhames playing a character in this that does not even look like it was fully rasterized, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, oh, Donald Su- the great Donald Sutherland coming in to play yeah. a character that looks more like they wanted uh, F. Murray Abraham originally. For the and, and what was that other guy's name? Oh, and uh, James Woods. J- no, yeah, well, James Woods and uh, the As other. As the villain, guy. of course. <laughs> Who plays guy. a Nazi? Before we all found out, James Woods is a Nazi. So. Eh. Oh, uh, Keith David? Keith David. Yes, Keith David is the chairman, the president. Basically playing his president character from Rick and Morty for the most part. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, um, yeah, it, you know, a fantastic cast just completely rounding it out. You're sitting there watching and going, wow, they're all doing a really good job. And I could see how, well, maybe they would be a little confused with the script on it because (laughs) I've seen this movie four times, I want to say, and... I still don't know exactly what the hell is going on. Yeah, this was my second time seeing it, and I, you know, I was I was hanging on for most of it, and then I think there was a point near the end where I was just like, "That makes no sense at all, like at all." Uh, but okay. <laughs> so, should we get into the plot a little bit of this thing? Yeah, yeah. Let's try to give it a decent summary. I mean, I. I don't I, I don't want to summarize it in a way that makes it look too bad because it wasn't the worst, you know. No. Uh, more or less that's the best way of putting it. After something like a Tunguska uh, incident, so to speak, happens uh, where a meteorite crashes to Earth, all of a sudden these aliens they're an alien like species that are made of like ethereal energy, like a plasma. Yeah, they're basically just ghosts. Uh, start attacking uh, the United, the world has to come together and try to fight against them and try to figure out what is happening and why. And with that, uh, somebody poses the Gaia hypothesis, which after we watch this, I found out is a real thing, written and composed by two by a microbiologist as well as a biochemist in the 1970s. So you know that that must have been some really really good push and, and really good LSD at those parties. They came up with that. Uh, it's also the same thing that's in like most Final Fantasy games of of there being like a life stream of sorts and returning to the Earth when you die and how the Earth has this this life energy stuff uh just a pretty pretty average thing for final fantasy or as i like to call it sci-fi wiccanism Yay! <laughs> um but with that uh this one doctor has been able to harness some of this ethereal power this aether plasma whatever you call this energy this soul source almost and they're able to utilize it in technology to help to better mankind as well as to protect us from the evil scourge of the phantoms and uh, with that, uh, they are trying. There is a theory that if you were to combine these multiple spirit energies that they can um, sense out in the out in the world, um, if they were able to combine these, they might be able to figure out a way to combat as well as to drive off this alien force. Which I don't know exactly how they keep figuring out. Oh wait, no, there's seven of them now. Oh wait, no, there's eight. Yeah, they're they're looking for eight specific spirits, and they they don't explain at all 
what makes these spirits unique, how they're identifying them, how they're tracking them, how they even know about them. Um, but they're they're finding them throughout the whole movie. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, like action scenes where they're shooting laser weapons at. Uh, like insect ghosts like giant insect ghosts they look like big blobs of um like an orange jello shooter coming at you imagine uh imagine chaos from sonic adventure uh, but red um but yeah there and this is this is my my biggest hurdle with the movie that i that i really wish could be different is these all these intense moments that they portray during the movie like there's one scene where you know they're trying to escape this this building and everything's supposed to be intense they're being chased by these phantoms one guy's like trying to configure some machine while the other person is holding guard you know shooting the the hordes of things off and uh you know you feel like it's supposed to be this intense scene but it's just really flat and and boring and generic and uh and and i'm not sure if it's all because of the animation and the lifelessness of it all but uh it really doesn't deliver that intensity that it needs to uh, which is a shame and on top of that the music for this movie none of them none of the music the background music fits the scenes that it's in which is weird because it's elliot goldenthal who is a fantastic actual screen or uh, like composer? Composer, yeah. and uh, because remember, sir's correct, didn't he do? Didn't he do the Matrix? I can't remember. I mean, the guy's done just about everything from, uh, oh dear God, uh, Interview with a Vampire, Batman Forever, Heat, Michael Mann's Heat, um, you know, Batman and Robin. And you think, oh yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about, or knows knows what he's doing, and none of the things fit. There's a supposed to be this like heartwarming scene where one character is dying in the arms of another one, and just the music they put in there makes it feel more like this should be the music playing over the end of the movie. Yeah, to instill hope or something like that. Yeah, and it's like it's not that the music was bad; it just wasn't. It didn't fit. It didn't fit. Just like Steve Buscemi's voice for that one character. <laughs> You know his voice is all nasally and 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 awesome, but uh, it's in this this young hunk of a guy that doesn't fit, fit the voice. This is at Bob. All. Bob has bitch tits. That's what he, <laughs> he sounds like. He should sound like no. right. Yeah, but uh, I mean, so a lot of the movie is just kind of you know following them around as they track this thing, and, and then you know setting up the the villain to be the villain. It's this this guy who's some sort of weapons manufacturer or weapons dealer. Oh, he's, a ge- he's the general. He's like the head Oh, that's head right. Military. For the military. And they make him look like the head guy of the Gestapo, pretty yeah. much. Black leather jacket, black yeah. leather gloves on. He even has a little eagle pin on his chest yeah. there. Yep. His slick back hair. Voiced by James Woods. Yep. Voiced by James Woods. It's like, yeah, a little on the nose there, guys. His whole thing is, I want to go up into this giant space station weapon and, and fire this super powerful what they call it the Zeus cannon uh, at the uh, at the, like the the home of like the crater where all these phantoms live I'm uh, not gonna lie I think if we had a hammer of dawn I could definitely see James Woods <laughs> trying to force his way on there to yeah. use it yeah so he wants to fire the thing and the 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 main characters uh, 
don't want him to fire the thing because they have a, a different way to to get rid of the beasts without you know harming the planet or whatever and so that's the conflict and it's not that they're afraid that they're going to harm the planet because of you know a destruction to the environment oh no no that's fine they're in the middle of the carpathian mountains where this thing crashed you know it's just rock for the most part yeah. you know oh is it going to cause a lot of radi- radiation or fallout issues <coughs> oh no, no 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 it's a laser it just burns straight down and stuff like that oh how's it going to hurt the planet then it's going to hurt her gaia yeah it's going to kill the planet's soul uh so it's some kind of lazy writing. Um, I'm kind of shocked, act to be honest, that they didn't originally send it in the rainforest for ultimate symbolism. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so you get the uh, you get the climactic, you know, final battle scene where the the evil guy is firing his lasers from space. I'm and, a firing my laser. And the the main cast is is down on Earth trying to, you know, quickly you know implement this thing and find the eighth spirit and you know whatever uh you know the 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 space station weapon ends up blowing up with the evil guy on it and the the main character's love interest played by alec baldwin ends up sacrificing himself to save the day which makes no absolute goddamn which, sense which makes no sense at all because they use some sort of system scientific you know uh, machinery to generate this this spirit signal to cancel out the the negative phantom energy or whatever and then all of a sudden somehow by alec baldwin killing himself that does the same thing uh and they don't explain it at all and it just happens and the day is saved and it makes no sense but you know they already spent $145 million, and I'm sure they just wanted to wrap it the fuck up. <laughs> so when they released this film, on my birthday, wide, on July 11th, 2001, I can tell you right now, I was either there that day, or I was there on July 12th to go see it. We were one, or I was one of maybe six people in that movie theater. <laughs> yeah, and... uh I, I think you mentioned it before, but this really isn't Final Fantasy. You know, I think it was supposed to be its own property, and they they slapped the Final Fantasy name on it to to try and get more like recognition. Uh, I mean, dear God, part of their marketing was Aki Ross was voted as the eighty seven or the eighty seventh hottest woman of the year in two thousand one by Maxim. That if that ain't marketing that I haven't seen since Tomb Raider, I don't know what the hell is. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, every Final Fantasy game is vastly different from the next, and but they're all just in the same universe. So. However, this one does also disturbingly negate probably the most important feature that every, virtually every single Final Fantasy game has, and I know this for a fact. I have not played every Final Fantasy game, but I know this is something that is in nearly all of them, and the greatest sin this movie could have ever done. How in the hell could you leave out the Chocobos? Oh. Well, and the thing is, so Chocobos, you know, aren't aren't always in every game, but they, they do exist in, in most of the worlds. 
How could um, you forget the chocobos, guys? But the thing is, another thing is, they always put a Sid, a Biggs, and a Wedge in every <laughs> Final Fantasy thing. They had a Sid. They had Dr. Sid in this movie, but no Biggs or Wedge. Huh. And I just realized how they could have done the easiest joke in the background. Then again, I bet if we did look in the background, we could see it. There'd be a big sign that says KFC, Kentucky Fried Chocobo. <laughs> yeah, they don't really talk about... Like, you don't really learn anything about any sort of, like, wildlife or economy or, you know, social structures or anything. It's pretty much all about the military and this group of scientists. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah, they have old New York and they have new New York. Yep. And, uh, yeah, you know, they've got some really cool actual shots that are partial 3D, partial matte paintings, which a lot of the matte paintings they did in this, they actually did by hand instead of doing digital mm. ones, which was starting to become uh, a trend of the time. Yeah, you get no... It just looks like a militarized, sort of very um, utilitarian city, which it's just like, if you want us to actually feel, at the end of the movie, but spoilers, these spirits get into the city past the force fields. If you want us to actually feel anything for the people walking along the street, you got to give us some, you know, yeah, you give don't, us some open air markets. Give us some people during rush hour. You don't around. see a civilian at all, I don't think. Uh, not until kind of the end when they're running in fear, trying to evacuate, and they're like yeah. the big flying ones are like going through <clears> stuff. So, yeah, it. Uh, I mean, I think you know to include all this stuff that would really help with with the world building. Uh, I think it would have just been so much ex- more expensive. So I can't blame them, but you know uh, I think they were a little bit too early. But I mean they were also the first to do a photorealistic animation. So so when I made the joke earlier, oh, sorry about that. Not no, I was just gonna say it comes with the territory, right? <laughs> Yeah, sometimes it's not the best to be the first. It's the best to be the best. Yeah. Um, so when this was released, no joke, in theaters worldwide, it made $94 million. <laughs> the United States, when uh, it was released on DVD, people thought for sure, they're like, oh, you know, everybody's getting DVD players these days. If we yeah. release this on DVD as soon as we can, we'll be able to help to recoup some of that loss. <laughs> It made $24 million being released on DVD, which is still really good. However, here's the kick in the teeth. That's almost 85% of the box office take in the United States. $24 million was 85% of the box office take. <laughs> yeah, well, and then they, they, they made a, a couple more things, right? So then they did Final Fantasy Advent Children, and didn't they do a, an episode of The Animatrix? Sort of. Um... So what ended up happening was right after they really, uh, so right after this uh, in July, the next thing that they had up was they did a pitch reel uh, using the character of Aki Ross uh, to the Wachowskis to say, hey, we, we hear you guys are doing the Animatrix. We really want to do a segment for that. And they went, oh, no, that'd be fantastic. Let's do that. So it's called Flight of the Osiris, Last Flight of the Osiris. And it is pretty cool. I've seen it a couple of times the, the animatrix is not as bad as everybody says it, is. it really is and it's yeah, actually I, pretty cool <clears throat> I, I watched it once i think and they thought well that's how we'll be able to get you know a little bit of uh promotion for this is one it'll be part of the animatrix and two we'll release it theatrically with the new surefire hit of a stephen king property <sighs> called Dreamcatcher. Oh no! And if anybody's ever seen Dreamcatcher, that's nobody the one. saw Dreamcatcher. <laughs> that's the one with the shit weasels. 
Oh, boy. Actual term written by King for the movie. You can tell he was going, that he was still recovering from his yeah. getting hit by a van. <laughs> it was on a shitload of painkillers when he wrote that book. Um, yeah, so they put that before that. And uh, even before uh, Dreamcatcher made it to theaters, uh, well, the, squ- the Square Film Division, they already had filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, I, I, I was Googling or trying to find the name of it. And I think it was just called Square Pictures. Yes, yeah, Square Pictures, that's it. Yep. And yeah, because of that, then they rolled up a lot of those assets back into uh, the full company. Because, uh, yep. They actually released this film around right as they were getting into getting to do the Square Enix merger. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they basically rolled those assets in, and uh, Square Enix then, as the as that separate company, they've kind of done their own sort of internal house um, production on film, mm-hmm. as well as kind of well outside of the United States, pretty much keeping it into the foreign territories for that theatrical releases. Well, and you know, uh, even though this this Honolulu animation studio got shut down. Uh, Final Fantasy is still pumping out, you know, really good-looking animation. I mean, uh, we haven't watched Final Fantasy Kingsglaive yet, but that's one I'm excited to watch eventually because the animation in that is great. Uh, the story is a lot better than this. <laughs> and uh, I've seen it like two or three times, and it's it's a good one. It's a good one. So uh, they're still pumping out really good-looking animations, but I, I'm not sure if it's just done by the same people that that do their cutscenes now or, or what but uh that'll be fun to to oh, figure definitely. out later on no definitely i would i mean when we watched advent children i mean that was the one thing is watching that i'm like that okay this is a maybe not photorealistic but it's a realistic representation of final yeah. fantasy 7 you know a pre-established looked, continuity it looked a lot better than this looked better felt better and on top of that was a hell of a lot more interesting because oh hey i can actually relate to this universe instead of you dumping me off into you know i don't know yeah. uh, uh, timothy leary's wet dream well and i think i think timothy they, leary's call of duty. <laughs> <laughs> i think they learned a lot while making this you know don't uh, bite off marnie can chew yeah yeah um but anyway let's um do you have a do you have a favorite part of the movie? Because I can't I can't really pick anything out as being particularly impressive to me. Zeus blowing up. That's pretty much the highlight of the movie. Yeah, that was cool. James was cool. Woods, spoiler, slamming his fist down trying to get the big fire button to work, and all of a sudden he realizes, oh, there's a shadow coming over me, and turns around and like the major, uh, like, communications, uh, like the command deck is falling on top of him and he's just you can just see the look of mother in his eyes as it's about <laughs> to hit him it's it's pretty cool it's actually and uh, the way they did it it actually looks almost like a model shot exploding which is uh, always kind of fun to see <laughs> yeah yeah you know that might be that might be my favorite part too there like i said there wasn't a lot of like variety as far as like tone or feeling in the movie so it's kind of hard to pick but um Let's see. Let's let you go first, Elmer. Was this a bop or a flop? Well, I think history has shown that it has been a pretty big flop. <laughs> and uh, yeah. even though I have seen this multiple times, and I saw it in theaters when it first came out, I will concede it really hasn't gotten any better. But at the same time, it hasn't gotten any worse. Yeah. This movie is the equivalency of eating unflavored yogurt. It really is. It's it's pretty good, but at the same time, you just feel like you need a little extra nourishment in there. Yeah, you need a little extra something. 
I, I agree. I, I think it's a flop, but it's like, it's so close. It's just so close. It's about to hit that line just and right there. This is my second time seeing it. The first time I saw it, um, I didn't know anything about it, and I thought, oh, Final Fantasy. This will be good. <laughs> uh, and I was really disappointed. And this time, I tried to go into it with a fresh outlook of, you know, I'm not going to think about Final Fantasy at all. I'm just going to let this be its own thing. And it was better, but, yeah, it's just things weren't expressed in, 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 a, in a very good way, so... And I guess saying it hasn't gotten worse is kind of kind of a weird way to phrase it. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel I should clarify on that. Uh, thank you, Raddy, for pointing that one out. Uh, what I mean by that is compare this to, say, like a lot of other um, animated film, uh, 3D animated films from that oh, era. Yeah. Just in terms of how some of those now are unwatchable. Yeah, you think like the Hot Wheels movies uh, <laughs> or the Bionicle movie. Shark Tale with Will Smith. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, you know, even even like, well, I guess I was gonna bring up like Spy Kids and Shark Boy, Lava Girl and stuff, but that that was done on a really low budget, so I won't put those in the same category. But, uh, you know, all this all this animation that blew our minds back, you know, twenty years ago, uh, but look like trash now. I mean, I'm sure this will get to that point eventually, but. For the I most mean, part, it still looks really, it holds really good. Up. Yeah, yeah no, holds if, up. If anything, this looks, I'll say it, the way it plays out, I bet if I sat here with a PS4 game controller and somebody walked in, they'd think I was playing a video game probably. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does have that look. And I mean, and that's kind of the, the funny part about it is how, you know, this will put actors and actresses out of jobs and we'll, we'll have all these virtual, you know, celebrities and... That, speaking of yeah. which, one of the final parting things I will say about this movie. One of the original intentions of it, this movie was going to be standalone. There's going to be no sequel to it, no prequel to it, nothing like that. However, the character of Aki Ross, played by Ming-Na Wen, was going to be utilized as basically the actress of the Square Pictures company. She was going to be like their flagship person. She was going to be in different movies, playing different characters... But it would be yeah. her body design, which they actually yeah. did use in Last Flight of the Osiris. Yeah. And in, in many cases, it's possible she really wanted to do it. Ming-Na Wen was going to still be the voice. Yeah. She enjoyed voice acting so much. This is no joke. Because, as she put it, I think I went to the studio three times in four months to record lines. And I didn't have to miss a day of shooting ER. <laughs> <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah, no, that's like a, an interesting concept to be like to be a, a real life actor playing a virtual actor who gets roles in movies. Uh, it's kind of bizarre, but I mean, you kind of have that with music now, right? Like, um, I'm sure like a lot of people have heard of like Hatsune Miku or like the Vocaloid stuff that's been around for a long time. And you get like the gorillas where it's like a you know a hologram. I mean, it's voiced by real people, but it's a hologram on stage. Or uh, now you have like uh, AI artists where um, I think the the lyrics might be you know written in part by by AI um, and then given to like a a vocalist to rap or sing to or whatever, and then they they three D model a whole character around it and make this 
it's it's this really weird concept that I'm sure a lot of people aren't attracted to, but uh, it's it's really interesting, you know. Yeah, there's a movie that show or there's a TV series slash a miniseries that came out in the '90s that shows exactly the dangers of this. It's called Macross Plus. Let's not do this, people. <laughs> Sharing Apple, yay! Oh well. Anyway, um, let's wrap it up here. So, um, I'm not sure what we're gonna be doing next, or if we might skip the next week. Um, Elmer has some schedule changes, so we're gonna be, you know, maybe moving some things around here. But we'll keep doing this uh, as regularly as we can. Um, maybe next episode we'll pick a bad movie again we've done some fairly decent movies the last couple episodes so <laughs> nothing that made us want to pull our hair out. <laughs> right. everybody could probably see my bulge or my receding hairline right here let's just say that uh, I, I don't got much spare none more <laughs> <laughs> but yeah if you uh if you want to find out where to listen to us or find our youtube channel uh head uh, over to gamelink.click check us out you'll find our our patreon our everything there um, and speaking of the YouTube channel, um, I'm working on um, putting my like my projects that I do instead of streaming them and, and trying to fit all that into like a couple hours and you know then having troubleshooting I have to do off camera. I'm just gonna film that all and edit it for for YouTube going forward. So um, if you like that sort of thing, hopefully there'll be some videos up there soon. But uh, anyway, head over to gamelink.click uh, and we'll see you soon. I hope everyone has a good week. Yep. You, you guys out there, stay safe, stay sexy. Bye. <laughs>